0: Thursday the 6th of September 2012, Dallas, Texas, Sherry James went to pick up her daughter from school at around 4pm. She texted her daughter to let her know that she was outside, to which her daughter replied by saying that she'd be out soon. But as the 10 minute wait turned into 20 minutes, then 30 minutes, Sherry James began to panic. She decided to go into the school to see what the holdup was, but her daughter, was nowhere to be found. And in a tale of heartbreak, fake social media profiles, and lies, let's discuss the case of Shania Gray. People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. I showed emotion. The following episode is not suitable for those under the age of 13. Viewer discretion and parental guidance is advised. Before we delve deep into this case, I'd just like to thank Magellan TV for sponsoring this episode. Now, I'm sure you've heard of Magellan TV before, especially on my channel, and it's not without good reason. Magellan TV is my absolute go to for all of my documentary needs. With a wide range of documentaries from space, nature, to true crime, and with 4K at no extra cost, it's the perfect place to wind down after a long day while learning something new. MagellanTV actually adds between 15 to 20 hours of brand new content every single week, so if you're worried about running out of true crime content to watch, worry no more. I've just watched What Happened to Holly Bartlett, which is a documentary that explores the case of Holly. Through computer animation, dramatic recreations and interviews, Peter Parsons explores what happened to Holly Bartlett, a blind graduate student who was found under the McKay Bridge. Be sure to use the link at the top of the description or the link in the pinned comments and use your one month free trial to go watch What Happened to Holly Bartlett. And once you've finished it, deep dive into Magellan TV's extensive true crime collection. As I said before, new documentaries like What Happened to Holly Bartlett are added to Magellan TV weekly, so don't sleep on this offer. Grab your one month free trial using the links below. And thank you to Magellan TV for constantly supporting this channel and making content like this video possible. I also want to quickly note that over on my Twitch channel we dive deep into cases like this every single Friday. So over on my Twitch channel, I live stream true crime deep dives every Friday at 6 p.m. UK time, which is 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We sometimes spend three to six hours together exploring cases like this on stream live. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in taking part in, then be sure to head over to twitch.tv slash Josh Miles, hit that little heart button and follow me over there. It's absolutely free and it's a great way for us to connect and chat in a more laid-back setting. We're trying to get to a thousand followers over there, so I appreciate all of your support. Now, back to the case. Thursday, the 6th of September 2012, started just like any other normal school day for 16-year-old Shania Gray. The weather was perfect for an early September day, sunny and warm, and a lovely way to round off her first week at a new school. Shania Ambriel Gray was born on Friday the 29th of March 1996, and her mother Sherry was over the moon with the daughter that she had just brought into the world. Shania was a lovely child, and was popular throughout her childhood. She had a beautiful singing voice, and was often heard singing to herself around the house. She liked to film herself singing, and often showed her friends and family who loved to encourage her. In September of 2012, Shania was a high schooler at Hebron High School in Dallas, Texas. She was well liked by her peers and had a good group of supportive friends. She was a strong student who constantly brought A grades home, and because of this, she was well liked by her teachers too. With her grades and the trust she had gained from her teachers, Shania was asked to be a tutor for other students who were struggling in her grade, again showing the type of person that she was. She was a good tutor and this only further increased her likability within the school. She was known as a great person to be around and always willing to help someone. Away from academia, Shania was an avid athlete and was well known for her prowess on the track, where she competed in a number of different events. Shania liked to work hard and was always trying her best. She liked to train on the school field to improve her times and form on the track. All this hard work and extra training paid off as she grew up and Shania was often in the medals. Shania was so focused on her athletic career because she was hoping to go to college on a track scholarship. All in all, Shania was the perfect daughter, the kind of daughter that so many parents could only dream about. In December of 2010, at the age of 14, Shania decided that she wanted to get a job so that she could have some extra spending money. After pondering on what job she wanted to do, she decided that the best job for her would be babysitting. She started asking around the local area and people at school if they knew anyone who needed childcare, and she quickly found work. Shania started babysitting for a single mother in the local area and she really enjoyed it. She looked after the child often and enjoyed the time she spent with the little girl. The only problem Shania found with this job was the father of the child. While she was babysitting for the single mother, the father would often turn up to the home to spend time with the child, and he made Shania feel very, very uncomfortable. This man was called Franklin B. Davis. Davis was a 28-year-old local man who was also known by the name of Wish. At first, there was little interaction between Shania and Davis, but Shania found something off-putting about his presence. After a while, Davis started making small remarks to Shania which she didn't like. He would say that she looked too grown up for her age, and that she had a pretty face, but I remember when she was 14. After a while, Davis got more comfortable around Shania and started making advances towards her, flirting with her and trying to get her to like him. Eventually Davis gave up on trying to get her to like him, and just decided to take advantage of her. A fully grown 28 year old man had no trouble in pulling a 14 year old girl around, and unfortunately for Chinaya, she had no way to defend herself. He used brute force to get her into bed, where he sexually assaulted her and raped her. Once he was finished, he threatened her, saying that if she told anyone what had happened between them, he would hurt her friends and family. Now this scared Shania so much that she kept quiet and didn't tell anyone what had happened. Shania was terrified of something happening to her family. Shania felt like she couldn't quit the job because there was nothing wrong with the mother or her child, and it wasn't often that she actually saw Davis. Due to her silence and her feeling of obligation towards the mother and the child that she was babysitting, this happened three more times. Finally, Shania had enough and quit the job. She felt bad letting the mother down, but she couldn't bear to put herself in Davis's path anymore, and the only way to prevent this was to stop working for the family. After quitting the babysitting job, Shania's mother asked her why she didn't want to babysit for the mother anymore, as she'd always said that she enjoyed looking after the young girl. After a bit of persuasion, Shania ended up telling her mother what had happened. And like any good parent, her mum pressed charges against Davis for the sexual assault and numerous rapes. Even with these charges being pressed against Davis, nothing much happened. He was arrested on these charges in July of 2011, but made bail. And by 2012, the case was still waiting to go to court. The court proceedings for the case were scheduled to commence on the 29th of October 2012, and by this point Shania had moved schools and had started to put the issue and the trauma with Davis behind her, trying to move forward with her life. At some point in 2012, the case reached the ears of Davis's boss, and because of the nature of these charges, sexual assault on a minor, Davis's boss decided to let him go. Due to being fired from work, Davis could no longer provide for himself or his four children. And with the looming trial date and financial problems, Davis became depressed. Quote, I need help because the thoughts, the depression that I was under wasn't normal, he said. Nobody helped me. He said he sought help from a pastor who prayed for him. Then he called a suicide hotline, but nothing worked. He couldn't get himself out of the hole he had dug himself into, so he tried to come up with a plan. By the way, quick caveat, quick side note, I feel no sympathy whatsoever towards this man. I feel... I only feel rage and hate towards this man. Even with just the information that we've discussed, I, you'll understand even more as we progress through this case, but the way that he acts as if he's the victim, No way. No way, Jose. No, 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 no. One day, Shania received a new Facebook request from a young man called Dee. Shania thought nothing of this friend request as she had moved schools and had a lot of new people adding her on social media, and so she accepted it. Dee was a 19 year old who works for the military and from his profile he seemed very attractive. Shania was flattered and happy that she was gain- gaining this attention from an attractive older guy and welcomes the friend request. Quick side note, why is it a thing for people to want to be hit on by older people when they're in high school? What is with that? Once the request had been accepted by Shania, he immediately started messaging her, wanting to get to know her. He even implies that he knew her through his cousin, who she was friends with, and that's how he found out about her. This connection, that Shania didn't really question, was what made Shania a lot more comfortable with speaking to Dee. Bear in mind, Shania is still a minor here, so her own critical thinking skills and all those skills that you develop as you go into adulthood aren't fully developed. Surely someone she knew wouldn't talk about her to a creep or a stranger? Over a period of time, Dee and Shania became really close. They spoke on the phone and regularly messaged. Shania became so comfortable with Dee that she even mentioned the sexual assault and rapes that had happened to her. Dee did exactly as Shania hoped he would. He listened to her and sympathised with her problems. After talking to Dee about the trial and what happened to her, the conversations went back to normal. Or so Shania thought. In the middle of other conversations with no relation to the trial, he would bring it up and ask her about it. How was the case on her side going? Were there any updates? What was she going to say in court? It's like he became obsessed with knowing everything about the trial. Even when Shania told him she didn't want to talk about it, he would persist. Despite this odd obsession with her trial, Shania continued to talk to Dee. On Thursday, the 6th of September, 2012, Shania's mother went to school to pick her up after she had finished tutoring after school. And she arrived at the school at around 4pm, texting Shania that she was outside the school at the front and that she should come out once she had finished the tutoring. Shania replied to her mum saying that she would be out soon. Shania's mum stayed outside the school waiting for her for 10 minutes, then 30 minutes, then 45 minutes, and eventually she decided to get out of her car and walk into the school and search around and look in the places where she knew Shania would have been, such as the classrooms where she usually tutored and places such as that. And after searching and not finding Shania, her mum went to the school office to try and get some answers on where her daughter could be the office themselves, they were really unhelpful in this case, they told her the room number that she should have been in, to which Shinai's mum told them that she was, she had been there and she'd already checked there. And after hearing that she hadn't been in the room, the office then told her not to worry, and that Shinai had probably just left school with her friend and that they couldn't help her anymore. Annoyed with how unhelpful the office was, Shania's mum went home and told her husband about Shania not being at school. Both of them were concerned and decided that they needed to try and find her. She'd not been responding to any texts or phone calls following the last text message that she had sent to her mum when she was at the school where she said that she'd be right out. The pair spent all night trying to get in touch with Shania trying to find her, but they couldn't find her. And knowing that Enough time had passed, the pair decided to go to the police to report Shania as missing. When they arrived at the police station, they were shocked by what they were told. After telling the police about not being able to find Shania, they were told that Davis, the man who had sexually assaulted and raped Shania, had been let out on bail a month ago. Shania's mum and stepdad were appalled, and shocked that they had never been informed about his release. Knowing that he was out of police custody and in the area, Shinai's parents and the police went back to the school to try and figure out a timeline. Back in the school, with the police, they were able to gain access to the CCTV so they could track her movements. On the CCTV, they saw Shinai in a hallway texting before walking away towards the back of the school. Now this was strange as Shinai's mum was parked at the front of the school as that was where the older students were picked up. The back of the school was where the younger students were picked up, so it was very strange that she was headed in that direction. Shania's parents went back to the police station and ended up being interrogated about their whereabouts and what they were doing at the time of Shania's disappearance. Annoyed by the notion that they had anything to do with her disappearance, Shania's parents asked the police why they weren't out there looking for the man that had sexually assaulted Shania. The police in the interrogation room were confused. They didn't know that there was an open investigation involving Shania. Somehow within the station, the information wasn't shared with everyone or there was some form of miscommunication that there was an open case with Shania and somebody who'd been let out on bail who has sexually assaulted and raped her. How can the officers involved in a missing child's case not know about an open sexual assault case involving the same child? After hearing about this, the police immediately got in contact with David. and when the phone was picked up, his wife was the one who answered. The police then sent a squad over to his last known residence and waited for him to leave the house. Within five minutes of his wife hanging up the phone with the police, Davis was seen leaving the house. The police, who were there, asked him to come in for questioning, which he did. When he arrived at the police station, Davis kicked up a fuss about the sexual assault case. He tried to persuade the police that the case didn't need to go to court because she had been lying, Shania had been lying and that nothing had happened. He demanded that the police look at his phone and read the text messages that Shania had sent to him. He was adamant that these texts would prove that he was innocent and that she, Shania, had been lying. When the detectives looked through his phone, they found an app which allowed the user to create fake texts to make it look like a genuine conversation. Davis had created an entire conversation thread where Shania admitted to lying about him sexually assaulting her and that she was sorry for the trouble she had caused in his life. After realising that his plans were not going to fool the police, Davis eventually gave up. And so, on Saturday the 8th of September 2012, two days after Shania went missing, Davis confessed to killing her. He told the police that he picked her up from school on Thursday the 6th of September and then drove away. He had befriended her on social media using a fake profile, the profile going by the name Dee, and this was how he got Shania to meet him outside the back of the school. He messaged Shania as Dee and told her that he really wanted to meet her and that she should meet him at the back of the school. He told her the type of car to look out for and when she arrived at the car she was met with an armed Davis. Shocked to find Davis instead of this D that she was hoping to meet, Shania tried to leave, but Davis was having none of it. Telling her that he only wanted to talk to her about the assault case, she reluctantly agreed to get into the car. He subsequently locked her in the car, and then he drove away from the school. And as they were driving away, Shania noticed a pistol that was in the car, and asked Davis if he planned to hurt her, and he told her no. Davis drove out to a trial head at Valley View in Irving Park, and then proceeded to get Shania out of the car. Walking himself and Shania down the trail, they eventually came to a stop at the edge of a river, where Davis shot Shania twice. He shot her twice, causing her to stumble back into the edge of the river, but Davis pulled her back towards him and knocked her to the floor. Once she was on the floor, Davis stepped on her neck to ensure that he blocked her airways. He then apologised to her, asking for forgiveness from God, and rolled her into the water. He then made his way back to the car and drove back home, and acted like nothing had happened. In the interrogation room, when he was asked about killing Shania, Davis told the police, quote, It wasn't me who actually came out. It was like a light switch. Once it hit, a dark side came out of me. By the time the police were done with the interview and went to the crime scene that he had described, there had already been a police presence there. As it turned out, a cyclist had stumbled across the body of a teenager near the edge of the trail near Valley View Lane in Irving Park, and this cyclist had already called 911. Her body was found at the edge of the Trinity River, which flows through Irving Park, which was less than a 20 minute drive from Shania's school. Davis was then arrested on Saturday the 8th of September, and was held in Dallas County on a capital murder charge, where his bond was set for two million dollars. The police had a lineup of cars, looked over by cadaver dogs, and these dogs picked out Shania's scent in the car uh, that belonged to Davis. So this ended up giving the police more evidence against Davis. The police also looked through his phone, and it was revealed that Davis and Shania's phones were in the same area at the same time at Hebron High School at about 4 p.m. on Thursday, the sixth of September. With all of this evidence against him, Davis knew that he wasn't going to get away with this. The trial against Davis started on Friday the 15th of November 2013. During the trial, Davis's defence attorneys tried to sway the jury by stating that he didn't know any better. Davis grew up in a quote, American urban nightmare. He was surrounded by violence and lived in an unsavoury and quote, drug ridden area of St Louis. Davis and his siblings were neglected by their mother, and they never really knew their father. Adding further to their difficult childhood, their grandfather molested them as children. Then in 1997, when Davis was 14, his mother was raped and murdered, leaving himself and his siblings to fend for themselves. Quote, It would have been better if those children had been raised by wolves. When Davis was on the stand, he pleaded to the judge, saying that he didn't mean to kill Shania. Quote, I was fighting demons. It was like a different person was in me. It wasn't me. He made himself out to be desperate, trying to figure out how to live when he had been fired from his job due to the sexual assault charges that he was responsible for. He was the one that decided to rape and sexually assault Shania. Well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of your own actions there, Davis. And again, as I said earlier, he really tries to make himself out to be this victim in this case, as if... Everyone should pity him and emphasise with him. It doesn't matter what his past was, what his history was, what his past traumas were. That's no excuse for what he did in any way shape or form. There are so many people in this world who have experienced far worse traumas and far more difficult scenarios and upbringings who have become amazing people, who have become... who haven't gone out and decided to rape a minor and then murder her. Davis is just trying to find excuse after excuse um, to get away with what he did. He just doesn't want to face up to his own actions. During the trial, it was made known that Davis had used an app on his phone to send himself those fake texts from Shania in which Shania had been denying the sexual assault and rape allegations. Davis made those texts look like they came from Shania's phone, and he, as we said, he tried to use those to defend himself during his interrogation. When he was asked about these texts and his need to talk to Shania, he stated, quote, I needed to get some kind of evidence, some kind of proof myself, to show I did not have sex with her and that she's lying. Davis was also found to have been talking to Shania through social media using the fake accounts where he posed as the 19 year old D. On Saturday, the 16th of November, 2013, after a trial that lasted two days, the jury returns their verdict after less than an hour of deliberation. And the jury found Davis guilty. He was subsequently sentenced to death for the capital murder of Shania Gray. Davis is now waiting on death row, incarcerated at the Allen B. Polunsky Unit in West Livingston, Texas. And I hope that this sentencing and the outcome of this trial uh, and the speediness of this trial has been able to provide justice for Shania's family and that Shania's family and friends are able to move forward with their lives with the loving memories of Shania in their hearts. And that's everything that I have for you in today's case. Make sure you comment down below to let me know your thoughts and opinions on this case. Now, if you guys want to join in while we go through true crime cases live, head on over to my Twitch channel. We do true crime deep dives every Friday at 6 p.m. UK time, which is 10 a.m. Pacific time and 1 p.m. Eastern time. But do let me know if there's a better day or time that you think would work better for these deep dives. Don't hesitate to let me know in the comments down below. I'm trying to find a a time and a day that works for everyone so everyone can tune in. We don't just do True Crime Deep Dives though. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday at 10 pm UK time, which is 2 pm Pacific time and 5 pm Eastern time, we hang out together and play games like Animal Crossing, Stardew Valley, Pokemon, and Minecraft. So don't miss out. Head on over to twitch.tv slash Josh Miles and hit that little heart button to follow me over there for free. We're trying to get to a thousand and followers over there so I would super appreciate all of your support. We also do charity live streams and in the last charity live stream I was live for 13 hours and we managed to raise $750 for the DNA Doe project. So thank you to everyone who joined me on that charity live stream, I'm trying to do one every month so I'll let you guys know um, the February uh, charity live stream and the details about that. You can find a link in the description and in the pinned comment. Thank you to Magellan TV for sponsoring this episode. Make sure to go grab your one month free trial today using the links at the top of the description or the links in the pinned comments. Be sure to subscribe to this channel if you want to see more true crime content just like this episode and hit that bell icon to be notified whenever I upload a brand new true crime video. And with all that being said, I'll see you in the next episode. A special thank you to all of my Patreon members for helping keep this channel afloat, but especially thank you to my lead investigators for all of your support. If you'd like to support this channel for less than $5 a month, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash Miles. For less than $5 a month, you'll get early access to videos and access to scripts and also polls on cases. Do you want more Joshua Miles content? Do you want to hang out with me live, play chill games and discuss true crime with me? Then guess what? you can. Just jump over to twitch.tv forward slash Josh Miles and hit that cheeky little follow button where I stream every Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Sundays at 9pm UK time. We hang out on stream whenever a new true crime video goes live where we'll talk about the case that's in the new video and just kind of hang out. It's like Joshua Miles after hours. Follow me on Twitch, you can join our little community for free. You can find a link at the top of the description and in the pinned comment. If you or someone you know has been affected by issues covered in our programming, including this episode, then please use the link in the description for information, advice and support.